Hey guys, welcome to the 12 questions. Woo, woo, woo. Morning pod. Who's still waking up? This host. Who's also still waking up? My co-host, Dave Yates. I am uh, alert and ready. And I it sounded like you said, you know, who's just waking up? This ho. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> that works. Yeah, that totally we're ho- works. We're hoeing it up this morning. We're everyone. hoeing it up. <laughs> I love it. Dave, could you go ahead and uh, read us that beautiful clarity statement? Yep. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We're a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people who happen to be in recovery that want to interview guests about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests can be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. That was beautiful. It was so beautiful. My cat really had to chime in and be like, and like just show you the love dave thank you um, so much throw and the I'm cat really, out the window really excited <laughs> to introduce our guests well guests introduce themselves but who are we speaking with today so my name is josh malden and i'm happy to be here yeah, yeah. josh okay i gotta ask you because you're one of dave's fish friends right is that what you all call each other? Fish friends? Uh, I mean, I you think call each other friends, fishies. Friends. Uh, no, definitely <laughs> Come not. Come on, fishies. that we're, would be so cute. <laughs> we are friends and we see fish. And among other things that we, I guess, share a mutual pleasure of. Oh, I yeah. love it. And I was asking you before the pod started, is fish doing any like crazy fish events online? So they were not doing any uh, new events, but they were actually going through their archives for a while and doing what they call dinner in a movie, which is based off of one of their songs. Um, And since it's not any new material, they're asking for proceeds to go to their uh, nonprofit organization, the Water Wheel Foundation, that then redistributes out to other um, nonprofits. So they're kind of using archived footage to generate new revenue to donate to the community. So that's get it, fish. Doing. Oh, my God. Yeah. What did I tell you? That answer was going to be very professional and succinct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was only like 30 seconds, though. It yeah. Like the podcast. yeah. Tell, tell us how your drug band is helping the community during the <laughs> okay. pandemic. So, no, really answer my question. What do fish fans call each other? Uh, uh, fans with a PH? Fans. Uh, you know, at, at one, when I was younger, we kind of fish kids, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. like Fish heads, you know, it's, like kind of like deadheads. Like, it's not, when, there's no yeah. real. Huh. Don't put us in a box, man. We're not conforming to your label. I'm um, not trying but... <laughs> to. I, I would, you know, I would just be like, oh, fishies. I, I'm sorry. I know that. No, that, no. I love it. Well, it's funny. You have people now, you know, I'm 42 years old and I started seeing them in. Well, yeah, don't early, look at my friend. Early 20s. Thank you. The grays are trying to come in, but. Hey, um, me too. We were much nope, younger, are- so like saying kids wasn't a big deal. Now I'm like, hey, we're fish kids. And young guys are like, you don't look much like a kid to me, you know, so. Yeah. Shut up, creepy old man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we were outside of a show uh, with a good friend of mine, Chris Cooley, that you may know, Dave, and these yeah, two younger we should, guys. We should, have, we should have him and his wife on the pod. That'd Absolutely. be a good combination. They, they, like a combo awesome. pod. 
these two young guys, they were probably in their early 20s. They were like skipping college for the day. They were like, you saw fish in the 90s? And I was like, <laughs> I just looked over at Chris like, man, we're old. Like yeah. that's <laughs> old happened. Old old definitely happened. It's, I guess it beats the alternative. Yeah, I mean being for dead. Real. <laughs> yes. The alternative yeah. is being dead. Yes. For real. It's I was like doing a being sh- old and seeing fish or being <laughs> six feet underground. Yeah, that's one or the other. It is. I I mean, I was doing a show last night, an outdoor show, which was a whole extravaganza because you can't you can't trust drunk people to like behave in any way. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> they're just like toddlers, you know, like if you say sure. don't do that, they will do it. Um, and uh, this guy I kept referring to him as like, hey, look at the old man up front. He's not old, but, I, you know, for comedic purposes. And he, he said something. And I was like, look, dude. Like, don't be offended by that. Every day you're alive is a goddamn victory. Like, <laughs> I, I proudly say in Hollywood, I'm 38 years old. And what executives here is, she's a ghost. So it's yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's I was just waiting proud. for that guy to come back. Like, I've got cancer. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. That would be my luck. No, he just followed me around trying to close talk me all night. Like, Gross. Hey, 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 hey. Sit on my face. Show me your feet. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like, listen, if it were a pandemic, I'd be like, well, name a price. Um, but yeah, like, right. you know, it's 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 crazy. But with I all love that, when you take the step, the step back from the close talker and they move in and you take a step back and they move in and you're like, like you're playing a real life game of backgammon. Like you're just like ah. Like I, I, I was like the Matrix, and finally he had a dog with him because, of course, a person with no boundaries brought their dog to an outdoor restaurant, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, Leo, come get your dad." And the dog just like was like, "I got you, girl." Like <laughs> it just like came between us, and he was like, "This is my dog." I was like, "I gotta go." <laughs> so. Anyway, that's too much about me. I want to know about you. You're fantastic. I'm already digging your vibe. I'm half awake. How do you experience surrender, Josh? So uh, I'm I'm lucky enough to be in Eastern time zone. So it's like 2.15. So God bless you guys for getting up so early and doing this thing. But 11 a.m. is not early. It's not early, but we're comedians. So it's kind of like 8 for us. I'm like well caffeinated. She holds to that. Like I, I'm up at eight thirty, like a fucking boss, chugging yeah, coffee. You're productive. What are they? Hyper performer, I think, is like the term we use in, in the. Corporate I get up at eight thirty. Like, I get up at eight thirty, and I spend a productive morning drinking coffee and having existential dread. So don't. <laughs> I prefer well, you to can sleep call me that. at. Uh, I'll be at eleven o'clock, and you know I'm sure I've already put out X amount of fires at my job. So I'm here for you, Dave. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess to lead into that, how do I experience surrender? This this kind of joke I made about the fire thing is that like I really on a good day, I get up a little bit earlier than I want to be awake and I set some time aside and I do some meditation, um, which lately has involved like using YouTube, um, 10 minute meditations, 15 minute meditations, sometimes ones that are specifically set around recovery material sometimes ones that are just like you know a guy with a soothing voice telling me to relax into my body and feel connected to the ground around me and you know but they they tend to to help and then say a, a little bit of prayer to kind of get me centered for the day and 
read some kind of material, usually something that has my attention. Um, right now it's real estate investment books. Um, you know, something that's just something to get my brain going, do a couple squats to get the blood pumping and then off to the day I go, but constantly keeping this reminder of, I don't control the world around me, just how I respond to it. Right. So like, you know, that sounds all well and good. And I'd like to say I do that the majority of the time, but the reality is like my gut reaction is, you know, I'm an East coast Italian Catholic kid, right? Like we're like explosive. And then like 30 seconds later, like, why are you guys all upset? And they're like, well, cause you just yelled at me for 30 seconds nonstop. And I'm like, no, it's cool now, you know, but um, <laughs> I'm self-regulated. Why are you not self-regulated? <laughs> yeah. yeah like we're, we're over it. Explosion and then burning embers everywhere. And then I look around the room, like why this guy looks like he's like genuinely afraid of me. I don't know yeah. why that happened, but um, you know, when, when I'm doing it well, I can just let that stuff kind of come to me and pass through me and, um, you know, not, not make new things that I have to go later on to be like, so earlier this morning, I really overreacted. I want to own my part. How many it. times have you done that? Oh, countless, honestly, like I, I can't live with the, <laughs> the guilt of not writing my wrongs as quickly as possible. Um, Conscience. Yeah. It's made me just like be a better person. Cause I'm like, you know, if you're not an asshole in the first place, you don't have to go and like make amends for it later. So I kind of just, you know, I, I I abhor the amends process enough that maybe I'm just not a jerk yeah. first. Yeah. I, I tell people that all the time. I'm just like, it's not so much that I'm really great at sobriety. I just fucking absolutely hate making amends to people. So you're going to get, you're going to get nice me not, and, and I'll have cancer in my stomach in 10 years, but like, <laughs> like, but that's, that's, I hate it. I hate making amends to people. I do it, but I hate it. Well, and that really speaks to like the insanity of how we hold this shit together every day because it's it's not like it's not like TV where like, you know, detective detective on law and order gets sober and everything's perfect. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's really a daily struggle to like not be a dick. It really is. And and that can feel really insane like what's been the most insane moment that you've had in or out of recovery? Um, so I think the most insane moment I had in recovery, um, my story involves a lot of involvement with the law in my early recovery. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I got clean and sober to begin with is the breaking the law, breaking the law were, were too great. Um, and I had a really good attorney that said, look, you're, you're going to find yourself in a place that you're just, they're just not going to let you out eventually. Yeah. Um, and, and that really got my attention because like, I pay this guy to let me out. And, and he said the time is coming that that won't happen. So he was super supportive. You know, we got through that period. I got clean and sober, um, you know, got involved with programs that exist um, incarcerated. There's lots of service work for people in and out yeah. of recovery to go into the jails and try to help those people out. And this guy was just a really huge impact on my life. Fast forward some years, one of my friends in the fellowship that I'm in was celebrating a milestone of recovery and he didn't want to go to his normal or wasn't going to go to his normal meeting place. And they said, well, why don't we move it here? They were having like a convention um, and people were like, well, why don't we have it here? Most of us are here anyway. And I said, well, if we don't open the door and we're on the address book, what if someone shows up and they need us to be there? Right. Cause I'm, yeah. 
always there for everybody. And <laughs> we get there and this guy's driving around his car and he said, Hey man, I'm new here from Boston. I really needed this meeting. Thank God you guys are here. And I was wow. like, yeah. Right. Yeah. buddy, so that's the deal. It, it gets bigger, right? He becomes a friend of mine, moves back to Boston, comes back some years later. He doesn't have anything in his apartment. He's like, I got some furniture at my granddad's house. And I said, all right, cool. I was like, I'll get my van and I, you know, I have a big creeper van. People call it with no windows on it. And, um, cargo kind of deal. And I, I take it over there. And when I get to his house, the guy that opens his door is my attorney. It's this kid's grandfather that I had no connection to. Like I never linked the two of them together. Right. Like he said, my grandparents, my granddad's a lawyer and you know, all this stuff. And I had befriended this kid because of that night at being at my home group. And I had this amazing relationship and I looked over at him and I said, Hey, remember that like attorney I told you that really changed my life. And he said, yeah, I said, that's this guy right here. And I pointed at his grandfather. It was definitely yeah. a, a powerful kind of moment for me. So the spirit of the universe coming into your life and saying, look, motherfucker, I'm proud of you. Oh. Yeah, man. And, and that's how that's how I experienced that a lot of times. But that that's probably one of the, the most insane uh, in the program moments, uh, most insane out of it. Um I'll make this really concise is that I found myself in also in a club in Boston. I don't know why this weird stuff happens in and around Boston. Um, no, Boston stays fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up, we were, we were going to see a bunch of concerts. We were seeing like Phil Lesh and Bob Dylan on tour. And we had a friend of ours that was not really like a, a tour kid. She just kind of got kidnapped to come along for the ride. And she was a big club kid. So we went to this club to go see a DJ and she didn't have her ID and she may have been underage. So we like paid the bouncer to get in and like, it was all going fine. And I was like, Hey man, let's just like party. Uh, and this guy I was with has this incessant urge to like break the law, uh, by distributing illegal party favors and selling said, all hey, drugs in the parking lot. Maybe we should not bring this stuff in this club since we don't know anyone here and we're in a foreign city and like, how about we just party and hang out and, that wasn't the plan. I see him duck into the restroom and I literally see a guy talk to another guy against the wall. And I realized that they were like security. And I looked at my friend and I was like, I was like, it's about to go down. And she's like, what do you mean? Next thing you know, he's being pulled out of the club and he's like trying to pass stuff. And it, it was like one of those moments that was almost movie like where like time froze and you mm -hmm. could like see every person's face and, every action had to like happen in a very precise order or like you wouldn't get away with it. And we got to the very end and almost got away with it. If it wasn't for that pesky undercover security guard. And luckily we ended up in front of a Boston cop, literally Irish old white guy. He said, your boys look like you're selling the LSD. And I said, Oh God, I'm going to prison forever in Boston. And um, he said, he took our IDs and gave us back to him and said, get the fuck out of my city and never come back. And I said, yes, sir. And got the hell out of there and Whoa. went on to the next hotel. So uh, definitely, you know, dodged a monster bullet uh, with a very stereotypical Boston cop, in my opinion. That's wild. That yeah. is wild. And that's a, yeah, that's a, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So Sometimes. you have the spirit of the universe song for that one day. Yeah. <laughs> you got to no. do it in an Irish accent. No, I, I think 
Honestly, that I mean, it reminds me of I, I, I would get pulled over in Chicago drinking and driving and the Chicago cops are very similar where they're like, just get the fuck out of here. Like we we were all smoking weed down by the planetarium steps one uh, one summer and these two bicycle cops rolled up on us and like we were fucking freaking out and I had hid my sack of weed like in the rocks and they're like they made us dump out our weed into the lake and they're like, all right, we're just going to write you a warning for glass on the boardwalk. Now get out of here. And then they just kept going. And this is I mean, this is when weed was still very much illegal but like it's the same like Boston Chicago cops like a lot of them have a lot bigger shit to worry about than a bunch of fucking hippies like doing L or getting high so they all left and and honestly as soon as the bike cops got without without uh far enough away for us to not like be visual I dug my weed out of the rocks and fucking we got the hell out of there and smoked like a victory bowl yeah so. <laughs> You know, it's funny you made that comment about weed, right? I, I, I've had the opportunity to speak with a friend of mine who's a professor, a psychology professor, and I've spoke to his class a few times. And I'm at a place now where, you know, the events of my life, I, I've been in recovery for 12 years. So, like, the events of my life that sort of were part of my undoing, I almost lead in like, hey, I'm going to tell you a story about when, like, weed was not legal and accepted by everybody, you know? So you have to almost, <laughs> like, put that in that frame because um, yeah. people are like, what's the big deal? It's like, you know, casually accepted everywhere now. I'm like, yeah, once upon a time, let me tell you a story of the olden days, young ones. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> I just, I love telling people how bad weed was because it was not good. I mean, back in the day, it got us high, but oh, it wasn't yeah. like what happened like on the cusp. I got clean and sober right on the cusp of mar medical marijuana. So like, O2. And so like, I remember getting some medical marijuana, but back then it was made for people who were just dying. And like, <laughs> so I just remember being the highest I had ever been <laughs> just being like, Oh, this is for looking into the light. <laughs> like it was too crazy. It was, I was like, what? <laughs> Once upon a time, we just had like Brickweed and Kindbud, and now there's you know all these yeah. crazy names, and I was, yeah, I love it. I, uh, Dave and I both vape, not weed, obviously. And people <laughs> are like, "Why would you do that?" And I'm like, "Why do you smoke 85 different strains of weed? Fuck off!" Like, yeah. I want my, I want, I want my it's nicotine all we to have. taste like cupcakes. Like, yeah. All we up. have, Don't judge but it's us. cannabis, and it cures everything, man, and right? all the problems. <laughs> I I love like I worked in treatment. I love explaining to people like how cannabis actually like physically can like heavy cannabis use can physically change like the like the structure of your brain and mm -hmm. can increase anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. And people are always and, like and listening to fish. And, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I mean, obviously it's not the most like harm, I, you know, harm reduction is like no big thing, you know, like do what you got to do as long as you're not like beating your kids and like, you know, causing a bunch of mayhem, you know, like, but at the same time, it's like, but don't try to sell it to me as a cure-all. Sure. Because I know it don't. I mean, I love, did, I love <laughs> plant-based medicines and some of the research they've done with psychedelics and psychotropics with yeah. depression and PTSD and I mean, I am all about it. I, I've just kind of personally used up my 
you know, yes. card, like my deck of cards for that. Right. But if, yes. Hey, if it can help somebody else, like, you know, for you. cancer patients and PTSD and all yeah. kinds of stuff, God bless them. Have at it. Um, yeah. Try it. Yeah. You're never going to hear me be like, no, don't, don't you smoke weed. Just bang heroin. Like fucking, <laughs> like, you know, Listen, like, I'm, but it, I'm held but, together by 50 milligrams of Zoloft. I have no, no room to judge anybody. You do you baby. You do you, but also like, you know, be normal about it. Yeah. <laughs> be aware. Well, and that's the thing too. Like, I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of the podcast. Like we want recovery from whatever the fuck you're dealing with to be accessible. Yeah. You know, we want, we want it to not, we want to be a digital church basement without the, you know, without the fucking judgment that sometimes goes along with it. And look, those church basements saved my life, but you know, I'd rather be a source of, of uh, some kind of recovery and hope for someone that maybe is just smoking weed or if, yeah. or taking LSD like a gentleman. I could never do that, you know. Uh, but who knows? Like I, I've got I've got friends that used to bang heroin that got sober and then was like, well, I didn't have a problem with booze, and then went back out and drank, yeah. and then you know some years go by and they're like, oh, drinking's a problem now. And it never was when I was shooting heroin. And it's like, okay, well, I'm here if you need me, you know. But, I mean, with all that recovery and and space and time continuum with drugs, uh, how do you make decisions, Josh? Depends on who you ask. Uh, I mean, some some folks would probably say poorly. Some would say pretty well. Um, we're not we're not going to ask Mallory. Is that <laughs> Ma- well, Mallory's Josh's wife? Oh, yeah, Mallory's my wife. She's actually having lunch with some friends of hers, so I have the the house to myself. So I'm just kind of set up in my living room. Um, you know, how do I make decisions? I told somebody the other day. I said, you know, what does being sober for some time look like? Right? It's like, you know, because anytime somebody speaks they'll share their whole story they'll often start with their like last day of their drink or drug and while that's great and that amount of time is phenomenal um i said you know we should start asking people like hey if i asked your wife when would she say the last time you're an asshole to her was tuesday (laughs) when when i asked your boss when would the last time say that he you screwed off at work like when you know like that's what that sort of like comes to life and looks like for me today on that decision of, you know, am I really putting this stuff into all of my daily activities? Cause I got to tell you when I worked, I used to work at a restaurant and it was like a character defect smorgasbord, right? Like I I knew I, as long as I could make it through the rest of the day, dealing with the normal people, once I got to work, I could be as, you know, overbearing and boorish and, disrespectful as possible and almost be like celebrated for it in that environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I guess different, different areas call for different things, but I, I try to be pretty even keel about it today um, from that respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a common misconception with recovery is like, yo, I'm not, I'm still going to fuck up making decisions, you know, like I, I am, uh, you know, you can bet on this horse to make better decisions now, uh, but I'm still going to come in last place sometimes like, right. uh, you know, uh, even with all the tools in the fucking world, sometimes I get that hot feeling in my stomach and I'm just going to fucking make a snap judgment or a snap decision, 
So, I mean, it's just there's less of those, but they yeah. they still happen. Yeah. Um, Josh, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself? Um, probably really two things. One is that if what I'm doing involves like the betterment of others, um, or, you know, to be of, be of service to someone around me, um, whether it's in a a mentor mentee role, um, I I sit on the board of a place called recovery cafe Lexington, um, that kind of is all embracing of all types of recovery from trauma and, homeless insecurity and, and things to those effects. Um, I always seem like there's more time to do those things, but when it's like a totally selfish, I just want to sleep in later or screw off in some way. It's like, I don't have enough time to do those things. And, and right. it's been a kind of a weird, I guess, paradigm for me, you know, like there just, there seems to be more time to do more good, I guess. But yeah. if it's just me, there's less. Um, and a lot of the stuff, the second thing is a lot of the stuff that I really desired through getting wasted, right? Because I mean, it, it, some days it was about just getting wasted, but some days it was about like covering the pain or turning off my conscience or achieving some higher plane of existence or social lubrication. I really found that like when I kind of practice these things I've learned consistently, the stuff I talked about starting in the morning with and um, that I can really get to the places and be around the people that I really wanted to be with and around the whole entire time. Yeah. Um, but I was like using the wrong substance to kind of get there. Right. Cause it was sort of like easier that way. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier. Like I'm really up inside my head and life kind of sucks. I think I'll kill this 30 pack versus like, maybe I'll set up an appointment with my therapist and share it with somebody I care about. Right. So yeah. I wish therapy cost the same as 30 racks, to be honest with you. <laughs> it should. You know, like that should be the standard in America. But like, you, you like you, your 30 pack of Keystone should cost the same amount as a therapy session. So at least you can be like, all right, well, 30 stones for 10 bones or uh, <laughs> telehealth with my therapy for 10 bones. You know, like that's it's it's definitely I, I wish only was, if the therapist and counselor like varied the way the quality of the 30 pack did right like you can have like keystones or you know natty ices all the way up to like a a high-end quality like as long as there's a variance in what you're receiving for the price i'm down for that look bro if you're getting 30 beers at a time it's in the same category of quality don't you fucking say like oh oh keystone is a far less superior beer to fucking old style because i could get old style in a 30 rack too like (laughs) if you're like yeah if it comes in a quantity of 30 it is in the same category as all (laughs) other beers that come in quantities of 30 Fair enough. Now, granted, you can spend money on on craft beer. Yes, yes. There is some therapy that is craft beer, and there is some therapy that is thirty rack beer. <laughs> and sometimes you got to go through the thirty rack therapy to get to the craft beer therapy. Yeah, I feel like that's an indictment of medical, but I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> 
At least, at least you're getting therapy. Hey. Like that's, you know, on a serious note too, it's just like, you know, if, if you're, if I wasn't drinking, I was a fucking mess asshole. So it's like, I, you know, at least give me my 30 rack of beer and I was a little bit more manageable. Yeah, so. totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. crazy. I love that you participate in and celebrate all these different types of like recovery. And I, I think that's amazing. And the decision to like really turn it over to really like surrender to doing doing the next right thing like that's fucking dope like i celebrate you is what i mean well, to say well thank you i like, love I'm it. honored by that and and to, to my wife's point she was like you you need it right like she knows that i i thrive on it but like i also need it like i yeah. need that guy calling me at 11 o'clock at night like i'm about to make a terrible decision uh do you have any experience on screwing your life up this way you know and like you know, I take that 20 minutes and, and kind yeah. of talk to him the way that people did it for me too. But she's right. Like I do, I do need it to, to kind of have a, the life that I want to live. That's amazing. And with this life that you have, what is your like level of honesty? Like, well, I like to, I mean, I used to be like, so the whole honesty thing started me with like this. I, I ended up in treatment and um, it was a treatment center in a County jail. So nice, very like a pod. But we have that yes. here in LA. Yeah, we have yes. the treatment so, pods, which I think is I, an excellent addition oh, to any like incarceration situation. I think you're going to have less recidivism if you actually treat the fucking problem. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you say you have it in LA. Well, it's like a big deal for you know little Lexington, Kentucky, yeah. right? So having this one unit, I ended up in the right, I guess I broke the last law in the right place to be in this place because other county jails did not have these opportunities. But um, I I got involved with this program that uses um, a 12-step guide kind of as their treatment model. Um, And I called my grandfather, who's also been in the program for a long time. Um, I won't break his anonymity. We don't have the same last name. So Um, I called him. And he said, uh, he's like, I want you to think about anything. I want you to think about the phrase rigorous honesty. And he was like, if you can't do anything else, just tell the truth. Yeah. And I hung up the phone and I've called this man from jail multiple times, lots of bail money requests and, you know, stuff like that. And I thought to myself, all right. And I went into the room that I was in and this guy asked me for something and I instantly told him that I didn't have it and I had it, but like, it just hit me. I was like, God, like you, you don't even give a second thought to telling the truth or not. Right. You just splurt out whatever answer you think gives you the result that you want. So that became my like foundation. Like if I can't do anything, tell the truth. If it, if it, if I think it'll harm me, tell the truth. If it's the right thing, tell the truth, except rigorous honesty means I'm, I'm telling the truth absolutely about myself. Like I'm not yeah. brutally honest. I think that's where you want to like put your truth onto somebody else. Yeah. Um, sure. So today I sort of hang my hat and I mean, I like to think on the most part, I stay pretty honest. I mean, I'm a person, I fall short, but I will do this thing where uh, myself and my group of men that I kind of work around, we have this thing called the uh, spiritual principle of shutting the fuck up, which means that like, <laughs> you don't always need to say something, you know? Yeah. So if I really don't know the answer or I think what I'm going to say is going to do more harm than good, I can just be quiet. And yeah. that's like a new trick I learned in require like recovery is just like shutting the fuck up every once in a while. Yeah.
one of the hard ones is like keeping your mouth fucking shut when you when someone's spewing a whole bunch of fucking nonsense at you you know like or like when you're dealing with like a dry drunk or someone that's just like fucking not taking suggestions yeah and you're just like uh-huh mm-hmm. no problem no problem yep. dude yeah yep. Mm-hmm. I relate the person that too that is usually especially if they're like actually in the process of imbibing in something telling me how like they've tried doing something about it and it just and it doesn't, doesn't work, work for them. Yeah. It doesn't and I'm like, sorry. You know, I've tried the I've tried the meetings and they're just, yeah. they just they just they they don't work. That's always yeah. the way it's said is yeah. they don't work or I've tried X program it doesn't work. Yeah. And, and like in it, like if you if you bust down that sentence it and they are not the problem. It it, it is me that's the problem. Right. I, I tell people like if I go out and drink tomorrow that's why like you'll never hear me say what program I'm in because I mean look you could fucking it's not Sherlock Holmes shit but like you'll never hear me <laughs> explicitly say it because it's like if i go out and drink tomorrow it's not that that program doesn't work it's that i didn't work like i i I was the problem within the program and i'm not saying like any 12-step organization is the only way to get sober that's why we do the mission statement in the beginning but there is a lot of history and proof that it does work for most people not all You know, it's a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And I encourage anybody to find whatever method keeps you the fuck as sane as you can be. And that's, that's a sliding scale. Like I've got, I've got hippie friends that like don't drink or do drugs anymore. And they got crystals and meditation and they sometimes go to, um, 12 step meetings at shows, you know, like the, like the fellowship or like other sober jam band groups. And that works for them. And that's not any of my business, you know, I just, well, I'm, I, I, it, within the 12 step fellowship too, I, I'm very open to Matt, you know, medically assisted treatment. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of people are not. And my philosophy is like the dead don't recover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we, we, you can't get a place of recovery from a non-living entity. So if we have to give somebody something to get them to a place, or even if that's the way that they live their life productively, you know, whether it's, you know, marijuana maintenance or, you know, yeah. any of these other things, Vivitrol or whatever else that's available, you know, let's, let's keep them alive long enough till they can be like, yep. Oh yeah, I don't want to ruin my life anymore. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, harm harm reduction is it's a it's a good option for those who seem to just not be able to get it. And and I think it takes a lot of bravery, especially in our circles, to say that, you know? Like oh, yeah. there's a lot of oh, but you know, we just as humans, we love categories and we love saying some have and some do not. And I think a lot of that comes from a place of fear, which leads us to our next question, like how do you experience fear and anxiety in your life? You know, I, I think I've made enough mistakes. And I told somebody, I was like, when you put your foot in your mouth enough times that you just enjoy the taste, you're, you don't really don't, <laughs> it doesn't bother you as much. Show feet. Um, and <laughs> the place I really probably experienced it the most is at my job. Um, yeah. One, because I have this level of idea that I'm, you know, I don't want others to think that I'm not good at what I do. And mm. I think in a lot of areas of my life that like, I think I'm good in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with, I do 
manufacturing and material handling, right? So like we will place an order for a piece of machinery that has to go up 300 inches and fit underneath this certain dock door. And we order it 12 weeks in advance. And like when that thing shows up and you look at it laying on its side, you're like, I, get, I ordered the wrong thing. This is going to be it. I've, I've ruined my career. Nobody trusts me. Like, and then, you know, it, it stands up and it's like, no, it's all right. So like, I, I'd say on a regular basis, work is the place I experience the most fear and anxiety mm-hmm. because like, I can't fix it on the fly. You know, I can't make an amends and instantly change that 16 foot tall rack over there into 12 yeah. foot tall rack. You know, yeah. I, I could say something very awful to a human being and come to them instantly and say, Hey, I made a mistake. I hope you understand. What can I do to make it right? This time it's like, Hey, that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. My bad. You know, so yeah. Right. Yeah. that's really where I, where I kind of experience a lot of that. But outside of that, honestly, um, I, today I don't experience a lot of fear and anxiety because I don't know, man, I've put this stuff to the test enough times that like, I know it's, there's nothing really to get too worked up about. Right. Right. And I don't break the law anymore on a regular basis. So that also keeps the fear and anxiety away. You notice that, kids? He said on a regular basis. So hey. uh, I, I, I think all, jo- all Josh, he's still breaking the law. Keeping well, you an know, eye I, on you, sir. I drive I drive it like I stole it. And I yeah. roll a stop sign or two. And, you know, so there, you know, back to that rigorous honesty thing. I, I, there's some laws that get broken, but... Oh yeah, if none you of the big out, ones. If you lived out here, you'd be fine. People fucking yeah. <laughs> roll through stop signs, don't use turn signals, and drive ten over in a fucking residential. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy the, out here. <laughs> the turn signal right out of the car, like if if just just take it away. Nobody uses the damn thing anyway. So. I use it religiously. I will fucking fight you over the turn signal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh my gosh. Well, with defects flying around uh, on or off the road, uh, what is one character defect you're still working on? So I didn't really even think it was a character defect, but sarcasm. Um, <laughs> and not as I laugh like, sarcastically. Yeah, not in kind of a because I used to see it as like, well, it's like witty banter, right? Like people that are sarcastic are usually smarter and sharper. And like, I like this back and forth that comes with it. But when I really took a look at it, one, it had to be told to me like, hey, your sarcasm is like a defect, right? Like right. a lot of people aren't like, oh, yeah, smart ass Josh is here. Um, but <laughs> I realized it was like a way for me to kind of jab at people and and sort of take a shot but like everyone would find it amusing even sometimes that person you know and and it was like that's probably not a healthy behavior right so the sarcasm was a big big one also perfectionism um i I thought like well what's wrong with being a perfectionist that means you want it done exactly the right way right um but then i realized it's it's more of a blocker than so many things. Yeah. Um, I had this wise guy tell me one time, like um, he said that it, it, the three P's is for him, his procrastination um, or excuse me, his perfectionism leads to procrastination, right? He can't do it perfect. So he puts it off. Yeah. And then he procrastinates so much. He puts it off so much more. It turns into paralysis <gasps> where he just won't do it at all. So his perfection leads to his procrastination that leads to his paralysis. And I was like, man, I get that. And I still struggle with that with work. You know, like some of the things I don't know to do as well. I get like, I just won't do it. 
You know, for, for for the listeners uh, of the podcast, Anna's mouth is agape right now, and she's staring at the screen. So I just figured it was worth mentioning uh, that, <laughs> that, that is it, it my, affected our fearless leader. The <laughs> that is the story of my life still, and it's and it's it's uh, balance. My my sponsor always says that balance is the. Um, the struggle of long-term recovery. And when I'm out of balance, that is, you just name the cycle. I have to like write that down. I have to put that in my step work. It's procrastinate. It's wait, it's perfectionism leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. We experienced this. We recorded this really incredible podcast and I fucked up the audio on my end and I couldn't put it together. So I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I asked for help and they were like, yeah, we you do it yourself, bitch. Learn. And I was like, ah, and then finally <laughs> Dave was like, we're going to have the guest edit it. You psycho. Cause I was just like frozen with fear. I did not call her psycho you did uh, not. for the record, very... for the, for the record. <laughs> I uh, call myself a psycho. Dave, That's really Dave gets a whole bunch of like uh, comments on the podcast. Like stop insulting Anna. Stop I wish. She's not a psycho. I <laughs> wish I should start. I should start insulting her more if that would get more people to fucking argue about the podcast oh i love love it it. i love it but it was um it was it was definitely like that's something i just went through and i had to look at it and i was like what's going on here like why why did my motivation it's sort of like it's like the it's like having a bunch of heavy stuff in a basket and then the bottom falls out or like a paper bag and then it just falls apart. It was like, that's how it felt is suddenly my motivation just went onto the floor and um, God, that is the cycle of it. You blow in my mind. I I should have you uh, pay my therapist. (laughs) The beautiful thing about not being a paid therapist is you can say shit that they can't say. And, and aren't held accountable for it. But I had a boss that used to say, don't let perfect get in the way of better. But I heard a, a speaker tape really that attribute to Bill W say, don't let better get in the way of best. Right. Like, you know, I- improve if you can, if you can't do it perfectly, still work on improving it, yeah. but don't stop and think like, Oh, I can keep making this better. Even if it never reaches that place of perfection. Oh, I love it. I love it. I have to correct myself. You shouldn't have to pay my therapist. My therapist should have to pay you, sir. I'm still waking up. Um, (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. You're, oh, all right. We got to get to this next question or I'm just going to keep complimenting you. Uh, Joshy. (laughs) Flatter will get you everywhere with me. Yeah. I I know he loves that shit. So, uh, Joshy, how do you experience forgiveness? Um, you know, I, I like to say that I forgive others for me as much as really to, to absolve them of any wrongdoing. Yeah. But, um, you know, this maybe sounds cliche, but I had this uh, theology professor that used to come into the pod that I was in on Sunday. And his name was, well, it was a very Italian sounding name. Very, first and last name were both Italian sounding. And he said, as you need a little accent. He was said, he as like you can Giovanni tell, Salami or something? So close to that. You you have no idea. Like, <laughs> I mean, it really was like right to that point. Like, absolutely. And uh, it, it both ended in vowels and both started with G's. Um, but he said, he was like, after he said it, he was like, as you could tell, I'm a good Irish boy. And I laughed and no one else laughed. And I'm like, oh, like you didn't grow up in like the East Coast was like, that's like 
the old man Italian joke, right? Like, yeah. You know, joke about being Irish, obviously it's Italian, but he said that, uh, you know, I grew up, as I said, I grew up Catholic. I don't really prescribe to a specific religion today, which is fine if you do. I just don't. But I often say this particular prayer that says, I ask the universe that I understand to forgive me the way I forgive others. Mm. And I believe in the power of vocalization, right? Like if I say something, if I call it into my reality, that has power in my world. And here I am like every day saying, you know, forgive me the way I forgive others. Forgive me the way I forgive others. And I realized I didn't forgive anybody for anything, man. Yep. Like I am a grudge holding, you wronged me, fuck you kind of person. And I was like, but yet here I am saying, forgive me the way I forgive others. And the world is kind of like, yeah, gotcha, done. You don't forgive anybody. So yeah. I'm not forgiving you for shit. So, um, you know, today, since I still say that prayer on a regular basis, now I just have to like, let people be people and, and, and make those mistakes and give them a little bit of, bit of leeway. Um, yeah. You know, even, even when it bites my ass or causes me some problems. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I went through that as well. Like I, I realized after God, almost eight to 10 years that like, while I had worked eighth and ninth steps, I had never really experienced forgiveness because I wasn't, forgiving others and I wasn't forgiving myself. And once I confronted that, the, you know, they say it's having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, not midway through, but that started the major spiritual awakening of my recovery. It was literally, that was the one thing that was getting in the way. And I, I just, I love what you said about that. There must be in that process, did you get a lot of like, did you have a lot of like weird um, apologies or weird apology moments? Um, so I kind of got early on, like, cause I was, I was the king of apologies before I got sober. Right. Sure. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, I had a, a woman that I was dating. She was like, stop apologizing because like you keep doing the same thing. Right. Right. Like you don't really mean that. And I'm sure. like, okay. So when I came in and, and started getting sober and, you know, was in recovery, somebody said, we don't make apologies. Like we make amends, right? Like we right. write wrongs, correct wrongs. And I was like, man. So the first one I made was kind of like stumbly fumbly. And, you know, uh, I said something I did wrong. She said something she did wrong. We sort of like commiserated mutually. And um, one of my, I guess, mentors and somebody I really looked up to, he said, Oh, you just did that feel good shit. And he's like, that's not really an amends. Like you weren't clearing off your side of the street. You guys just got together and like, you know, it felt right. But, um, you know, you do my, but you do your best to kind of go forward. And the big point for me is putting the power into somebody else's hands and saying, yeah. what would you have me do to make this right? And, and that's, yeah. that's a big thing to kind of get past. Um, I, I've had them go all sorts of ways I've had them go where, you know, I make an amends and the guy literally had no idea what I was even talking about. Like I was harboring this resentment for like five years and he couldn't even tell you like with earnestness, the event that I was referencing. Um, and it just kind of ate me up. I had somebody that I thought was going to be super easy to forgive, like literally chew me a new one uh, over a situation. The weirdest one I ever did though, I had to, I worked at a restaurant and I had a shitload of glasses and barware and, food well the food was eaten but the that i had stolen from this place <laughs> but it was like 
10 years from when I worked there to when I was making this amends, I still had this box of glassware and I had to go up to the manager at the time who had no idea who I was and say, um, so thank God for that. What was that show where the guy had to go around and like make amends, like write his wrong. My name is Earl. Yes. So because people knew my name is Earl, what a gift my name is Earl was to the recovery community because I could say, Hey, have you ever seen my name is Earl? And they're like, yeah, I was like, well, I kind of have to do this. Um, Uh, and you fucking turd. Like, like, how do you know that show? She was, dude, this girl was looking at me like, what the fuck does this guy want? You know what I mean? So I was trying to like give her something to reference, gave them back their glassware. They're like, we haven't used this in like 15 years. And some bartender was like, I'll take it. I love all that stuff. I was like, do you want me to buy a gift card? Or I mean, cause I told him I stole like four or $500 from him too. Um, I called a friend of mine. I was like, you might have to come pick me up from County jail in case they want to like press charges right. because I'm about to admit that I stole money from them. And she was like, no, you're fine. Like the look on her face was just like, what the hell is this guy talking? She probably thought I was high then. She was like, Oh, this guy's definitely intoxicated, but yeah, that's probably the big weird one. That's a good one. I I, I think that, 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 that's up there with the fucking (laughs) odd, odd ones. Um, so making amends and things like that. Uh, I know you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, but, uh, you know, do you have a daily spiritual practice? And if so, what's that look like? So because I said, you know, I started my journey in recovery incarcerated, there's not a lot of like get away from everybody time. Um, so I ended up um, using the shower. When I'd shower, I'd, I'd pray in the shower, right? Like, cause that was one place you had a few minutes to yourself. Um, and I've carried that tradition on. I still pray in the shower. Like there, and, and when it's my shower, I'll actually get on my knees to pray in the shower. I don't do that in public places hotels or things like that they weird me out but that's hot <laughs> um, I, you will hear one day that you're like what happened um josh fell and hit his head in the shower know that i had just gotten up from praying right like so that's how that's gonna go um so yeah prayer i which somebody told me early on prayer was talking meditations listening since i rather talk than listen i do that more regularly than the meditation portion yeah um and then writing um, I love writing. Like, yeah. I think that um, there's something, I don't know, cathartic or just as ink kind of flows through the pen. There's like, I call it like spiritual bloodletting, right? Like, you know, the old practice where people thought like to release the demons, you had to let blood out of the body. Yeah. The pen is kind of like that representation to me. And like, as I write, there's like, cause I really can't lie. It's tough to lie to yourself while you're writing something down on paper. Yeah. You're like, Oh, that's just bullshit. Why did I write that? And go back and cross it out. But um, you know, when I'm really tuned in doing all those things together, life seems to just be a lot brighter. Um, but at the very least, most days I shower. So most days I pray and at least keeps me uh, on some kind of level basis. Nice. Yeah. I getting clean it. and getting right with the fucking universe. Woo-hoo. What is your... And I love that, by the way, I wake up when I, the first thing I do when I wake up is I just, I don't get up. I don't get on my knees. I just pray while I'm in bed. I just knock the prayers out while I'm in bed. And then um, I have done a lot of like praying or meditating in the shower, which is like my weird thing. 
Uh, also a lot of crying. Um, showers are great for all of your yeah. things. Um. <laughs> water's phenomenal. Like, I mean, there's a reason why they use it in all these sacraments. And I mean, there's a reason water, water's a phenomenal thing for sure. Yeah, it truly is. It, it's very calming. The sound of running water is important to me. Like, um, I have an echo dot and when it's not monitoring me for the NSA or whatever it's doing, <laughs> um, it's usually playing rain sounds. <laughs> I'm always like, I would like to hear rain sounds. Um, but what is, when you're speaking with your higher power, like what is your, what is your relationship? Like, how do you experience your higher power? What is that relationship like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I had taken a look at some of the questions and I was actually in a meeting last night and I literally was thinking about and going through a thing that somebody read something about, like, literally that evening I was dealing with it in the morning. And then before I could say, you know, the interaction I have with the universe, my higher powers, I understand it is usually when I'm in a place and I hear that message from somebody else back to me that lets me know that I'm in the right place. And literally before I could even share that, some other woman said, you know, I was just doing this with a friend of mine earlier and we read this exact same thing. And that's how I experienced my higher power Wow! and somebody else said it. And then I was like, that's literally what I was thinking. Right. So like, that's really how I experienced it. Sometimes I hear it from a stranger. Sometimes I hear it in a song. Sometimes yeah. I hear it from somebody else speaking. Maybe it's mild schizophrenia. I'm not really sure, but I'm taking it as communication from the universe back to me um, that I'm in the right place or doing yeah. the right thing. Yeah. That's like, that's, I don't know. That's, that's definitely, it's sort of, it, it's like inspiration. It just finds you. And I love that. That's beautiful. I love yeah, that. Yeah. It gives you those fucking goosebumps and those chills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. that's so sweet. Well, we're about to land this plane and we've made it to the end. So congratulations. Uh, we appreciate your preparedness and uh, you. your s sitting in front of your James Flames fish poster. Oh, that's what that is? Oh, I knew. What? It, I, that's, how, that, that's, that's how deep I am in that fucking shit is I knew from just the bottom of the frame. That's that, beautiful. That, oh, my yeah. God. That, that's, how I, that's how I know Josh is, is, is recovery fish shit and poster collecting well, okay okay side question what fish song speaks feels the most like your higher power to you you know the one that's like bleep 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 blah 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 <laughs> i love that that video where they had that guy doing it honestly uh it's it's a trey anastasio song who is the lead singer for fish but fish performs it uh it's a song called architect and I heard it on his album and then I saw like listened to him on like World Cafe or some station. Yeah, NPR and, World Cafe. Hello. Yeah, and <laughs> as he was speaking, I was like he's going to say I was like he's going to say something like really spirit like he's going to tie this to to something spiritual and something recovery based, right? Cuz it came out after he I mean, he's very vocal about his recovery, so yeah. about recovery and he kind of stumbled for a minute cuz I don't think he wanted to like put out something this personal and finally he just said I wrote it as a thank you note to God for saving my life. And it just hit me. And the first time I heard it performed was Saratoga Springs uh, Art Center SPAC. And 
I'm with a group of my friends. None of them are in recovery. There's like 13 guys. 2012. You see I how quick was? you see how quick that is. We fish, fish fans have literally a fucking log of where they were, <laughs> the date and the year. And I I heard the song and like tears were like streaming down my face. And my friend looked at me and he's like, "You you okay, man? I mean, it's an okay song, but like." And it just moved me. And you can go look up the lyrics and listen to it. And, you know, it may sound a little cheesy, but like I got everything that he was saying about like recovery and life. And it really resonated to me. And then there's a bunch of other songs that I really like for other reasons. But that one in that kind of arena is the one for me. Amazing. I love that. After this podcast, go turn on that song, listeners. Get the yeah. full experience. They'll all be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? This song <laughs> is terrible. It sounds like someone's <laughs> electronically queefing into a microphone. <laughs> well, now you're selling me on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What is like one thing that you would tell somebody just like you in the world? Um, you know, you just kind of like, let it go. Right. Like you you don't have to continue to marry yourself to the same mistakes because of how much effort you've made making them, you know, like I I felt pre-recovery. It's like, I was just going to drive. Eventually I would just get through this wall by driving my head through it. And the reality was that like, I could just like walk around the side of it and it was a lot less violent to me and everyone around Mm -hmm. me. So you know, just kind of surrender to the flow and let this thing go, right? Yeah. Because I hold on to stuff. You know, I said that earlier, right? But I think that's the one suggestion. Just let it go. It's not that serious. It's not all about you. Like, yeah, it's going to be surrender all right. Surrender to the flow is also fish lyric. So don't yeah. don't think he's Shh. being fucking Shh. spiritual. He just tried to slip Shh. that one by you, Anna. And I'm here to tell you that that is a fish lyric. <laughs> but yes, yeah, surrender to the flow, everybody. <laughs> This is a fish cast. (laughs) Heavily, heavily to that. And a shout out to the fellowship with a PH. Uh, They're an amazing group of people that have been a huge part of my life in recovery that go see fish shows all clean and sober. And it's who I travel with now. It's, it's kind of my tribe, if you will, a tribe within a tribe. I love that. I love that. And I realized, Dave, I think you were trying to ask that question or you did just ask that question, but I'm so one cup of coffee and my vape is broken, like not <laughs> awake yet that I was just like, I'm just answer- I'm asking questions now. <laughs> we we made it to the end of the we podcast. We did it, guys. Yeah. We did it. Oh, Woo-hoo. my gosh. You were fantastic, amazing, spiritual. Thank you so much for brightening my day. Like what? It, I hope I get to meet you in person soon. When I'm on tour, gotta stop by and be like, "What's up, Recovery Cafe?" Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, like, please come out. So exciting! Absolutely. So exciting! What a delight! Um, do you want people to find you, or would you like to plug something? Um, sure, I would very much. Uh, anybody can find me. Uh, my Instagram is jmalden five five five. Um, I'm, you can find me on Facebook. I think it's Josh Malden. I have a picture of me wearing a, a Mandalorian helmet from yeah. the, the Disney show. Um, and I, if you want to check out Recovery Cafe, Lexington is the specific cafe I work with, but they're, we're a part of a bigger Recovery Cafe network. You can please go online and check that out. Um, RecoveryCafeLexington.org. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, Recovery Cafe Lexington. Um, great organization. 
if you don't have one in your area and it excites you, you can open one up. Um, the network would love to be a part of helping you do that. They're based out of Seattle, Washington and been doing it for about 16 years now. So nice, awesome, all inclusive group. So give us a check out. Yeah. Throw, throw some money at the recovery cafe, Lexington or the recovery cafe in your area. I'm a big supporter of safe spaces for people to hang and be sober. Uh, so, and you know, eventually the world is going to start creeping back open and, uh, these places are going to be necessary because even though we're all going to zoom 12 step meetings now, uh, there's been some people who I relate to the most that have been blacked out this entire quarantine and they're going to need somewhere to get sober. So please donate to places like the Recovered yeah. Cafe Lexington. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is awesome. Dave, where can people find you and all your things? All my things at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, Instagram, Twitter, all the shit. Awesome. And you can find me at Anna B is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com for information on shows and whatnots. Um, you uh, can find this podcast at 12Q Pod on all the social media platforms. Our Gmail is 12Q Pod at gmail.com. Uh, we did get a fan email, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I have not read it yet, so we will mention you next pod. Um, shout out to our anchor supporter, Jared Lombardo on um, nice. on Anchor. Thank you so much. Um, if you guys uh, subscribe to our podcast on Anchor and throw us some money, I will be happy to mention you for being a boss-ass listener. Uh, you're amazing. Um, all right. How we end this podcast every time is josh if nobody's told you this today we love you love you joshy love you guys too and oh and dave if nobody's told you this today i love you (laughs) and if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today we love you we love you everybody thanks for listening and uh fuck shappy yes love you guys thank you so much okay what did that mean (laughs) it just it's a friend of ours. <laughs> Chappie. Okay, I won't edit it out. <laughs> Peace. Thanks for listening.